0: Hi, I'm Mark Crawford. This podcast is powered by my friends at Magnuson Ford. It's hard to beat a Magnuson Ford deal in Abbotsford and
1: online at magnusonford.ca. They came from across the Atlantic, brave, skillful, proud Canadian men, many of whom would go on to skipper their troops and all to battle the enemy on foreign soil with the ultimate goal, victory. They are... The
2: Footy Soldiers from the Sama Platz. That's my little sunroom here. Not so sunny today. It's Footy Soldiers, starring yours truly, Peter Shad, and to my left, Mark Teddy Rogers. How you doing, mate? John Jolly Rogers.
0: Pete, what's with all the yawning over there, Jolly?
1: Oh, mate. It's a tough life being Jolly.
0: Take me out of the crosshairs, Pete. <laughs> I'm a tired man. I got a young <laughs> child. Yeah,
2: well, if you could try to stay awake during the course of the show, that would really be helpful. Let's hope that we have compelling content for a change. (laughs) Do you know that it was just about eight or nine months ago on a sunny July afternoon, the three of us sat at UBC talking about succession planning from the Whitecaps executives in the event that Carl Robinson somehow got another job offer either in MLS or outside of MLS in the championship and this week for the first time in his tenure there are actually people asking for his head saying that this team has not performed since about august of last year after the meltdown in missouri or the kansas city collapse that the goals have dried up basically saying last season was a fluke and that the second best defensive record in the league should not be attributed to Robo, but some other reason so we'll get into this whole scenario of what would happen if this week turns out sour starting with today's game with FC Dallas the game that has Blas Perez's name written in the stars for me Wednesday it's home to Sporting Kansas City a team that's on a bit of a wobble but one that has owned the Whitecaps in their MLS tenure and then it's a travel weary trip to New York City to play at Yankee Stadium a team that's not doing well have not taken advantage of the front-loaded home schedule at Yankee Stadium this is a big week. And then after that, they've got Portland home, Chicago on a Wednesday, and then a trip to Toronto. So a couple of three-game weeks looming. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. We'll find out over the next three weeks or so, won't we?
1: Yeah, it, it's a really important run-in for the Caps. Talk about the 10-game sort of benchmark Except for the MLS, funny enough. Teams go on real streaks and have big peaks and valleys in this league. But from a Caps perspective, what they need to get going is just some level of togetherness and consistency in their game. It's so easy to point to goals. Yes, they have a massive goal-scoring problem. They're creating chances, but nobody seems to have the confidence to bury them. There's not enough ruthlessness in those areas of the pitch. Scoring goals off set pieces is something that's new to the Caps. If they can start to add a few goals from the run of play... Which is a massive question mark right now, then they could be all right. I uh, had an
2: interesting read of Mark Weber's roundtable with some ex white cap strikers in Carlo, Jason Jordan, and John Catliff. John Catliff had an interesting point. They all believe, by the way, that Rivero is a quality striker who is in a rut. And Catliff said, in the beginning of this season, he has not had any consistency around him. It's been chopping and changing, there hasn't been a rhythm with his teammates. Do you see that as being
1: a possible reason why there hasn't been connection yet? Well, you look at the attacking group as a whole. I think one thing you can always bank on with Rivera, despite his comments this week, which I feel are pretty unfortunate, saying that I don't feel any pressure to score goals. He should. He really should. Just like Lescott shouldn't feel like the weight of the world off his shoulders after they get relegated. Those type of things sometimes can be lost in translation or just unfortunate phrasing. Uh, but from one thing you will always get from Octavio Rivera and why I've always been an apologist for him is work rate. However, in a value-for-money league, he's making eight hundred plus thousand dollars a year. He's a DP. You can't have a hard-working DP that doesn't score goals as a striker. I don't care what's going on around you. The second thing is it sounds like the Cats paid a decent chunk of change for him. Mm-hmm. And that also then goes to you need to perform because we've paid money to get you. But here's the other side of that coin. You look around him. Kakuta Mane's had a shocking start to the season. De has had a shocking start to the season. Morales was playing as number 10, and actually probably the Whitecaps' best player uh, at that stage, but largely found out by the MLS. I mean, he's not a dynamic number 10. He is a good distributor of the ball, and likely why Robbo started placing him in a more deeper role, because that's where he goes anyways. He goes to deeper positions to get on the ball and start spraying 60-yard passes. The number 10 that's come on and can make a difference for Rivero is Mosquita. And whenever he's been on the pitch, especially last season, I thought he was the biggest reason when he went down that the Caps started to struggle to create goals because of his industry. And the Caps now, the positive is when mosquito has been in the team, they started to look like they're creating chances. They're just struggling in front of goal, and Rivero is a big one of those. But if you look around him, he's not going to get much supply from Kakuta. They are oil and water, those two. And whether they don't like each other or whatever, doesn't mean anything. When they're on the pitch, they do not work well off each other. He definitely works much better off Mosquito and Techera, But Tachera is so unprofessional to come into camp out of shape. It's inexcusable, especially a guy that's just been re-upped by Rabo in the off season As a reward, it should be, okay, thanks, boss. Now I'm going to back you. He's gone the other way. He's gone on the Pina Colada holiday and come into preseason out of shape. So now it's going to take him 15 games to get up to the Tichero we saw last season. And that's where I agree with John Califf. I think it's an astute observation. They have created chances. Rivero has been put into good goal-scoring years, and he hasn't cashed in. That's another concern.
2: What about Laba and Waston? Because we were talking about underperforming players. What did you think Laba was at at the start of this year?
0: Well, I think we've all agreed he's not probably been up to his own standards and that standard he set was probably last year especially the first half of last year where you'd say he was about a seven or eight out of ten every game not that he's been glaringly bad in the first you know seven games of the year that he or the games he's been involved in he hasn't met his own expectations it seems like of what he showed us he's capable of doing that seems like a theme for every single player watson included who seems as you said uh about Morales has been found out a bit maybe Waston has a little bit as well there's some basic technical things he's doing defending around his own 18 yard box that are allowing people to cut inside and have the goal at their mercy instead of bringing them their first touch towards the end line some basic things is lateral movement I think every single player there has not lived up to their own expectations interesting that you mentioned Laba Mm -hmm. Waston
2: to what do they all have in common? They were re-upped in the offseason.
1: Well, I want to get back just to one point about Lava. It's been a while now since Lava was that dominating player that people highlighted as possibly the best-holding midfielder in league. I didn't think he had a great second half to last season. Decent start, poor second half. Not poor, average. When he was being discussed as one of the best, and they're talking about him and Alonso being the two best-holding midfielders in the league, that discussion's out the window now. So that's what people are looking at. And he's a DP holding midfielder his expectations are huge on him I don't feel that he's gotten off to a DP level of start I think he's played probably in total this season 90 strong minutes I felt he was playing very well in the LA game before he got sent off a bit unfortunate there but a good holding why is he going to ground at the edge of his own 18-yard box that's the one thing nobody spoke about win the ball back stay on your feet or at least make the player go backwards players going to ground it's an act of desperation and whether that's a lack of fitness on his part or rush of blood to the head. Good players don't just start sliding around willy-nilly. Stay on your feet. That's funny that you mention that,
2: because remember at the end of last year on the Lampard penalty, which was never a penalty against New York City, again, he put himself in a position, though, by going to ground. We've seen that a few times you know, from Laba, and you're right about the end of last year. There was this noticeable drop-off, and uh, maybe it was because he was being relied
1: upon so heavily, but who who knows? And the last thing, going back to Watson, I agree with John, people know... He's a big body. He's very good on defending crosses. I'd argue he's the best in the league at that. He's not slow either. Once he shifts into gear, the guy can move. His forward distribution's okay for a big fella, but one of his weaknesses is you can run at him with the ball at your feet and create half a yard. So where are you going to get cash in on him is around the opponent's 18-yard box because you only need that half a yard, a la Piotti and Burrito, of the last weekend. But when we hear the word character... It's a word that we haven't heard in a while. Maybe because there is question marks on the character of these guys. As a professional, you're never going to feel 100%. Ever. I don't remember ever going into a game going, I feel brilliant today. You're always carrying knocks. You feel like crap. Your wife is upset with you. Your baby was crying in the middle of the night. Somebody had a baby. It's all an excuse. I don't want to hear it. You're asked to go and perform for 90 minutes, usually in a week. Make sure you're ready to perform in those 90 minutes. I don't want to hear that you've come into camp out of shape. It's your job as a professional footballer to make sure you're ready. You are hanging your hat on your DPs in the MLS. You need your DPs to be your best player in the MLS. And if too many of them are underperforming, guess what? You're going to have to start the Whitecaps have just had. The thing that worried me
0: watching that RSL game was right at the beginning when you had Martin Pert losing his mind and trying to motivate these guys. And that tells me right away that they might not trust the character within those players who are right around them to actually perform themselves that thought crossed and, my mind and I, it worries me because that might be in the manager's mind it might be in the coaching staff's mind that they have to try and g up those players to get them ready to go we're pittsburgh steelers guys because our old man's from pittsburgh and the chuck knoll where you don't need me to motivate you you should be motivated yourself You were like that as a player, Mark. I think, Pete, you're like that as a broadcaster. I was motivated, but I was shocking. (laughs)
1: But you know what I mean? That worried me. It was revealing. It was revealing, yeah. And that is a desperate tackle from a manager or a coach. You can only use that type of motivation very rarely because then it becomes background noise. So there's only so often that you can use that card, and an old friend of mine, an old assistant coach of mine named Gary would have said that too oh, you've just blown that card. And if you use it too early in the season, you can't then go back to it and say, gee, the guy's up again. They have to do it themselves. If he's doing that, he's basically saying, you can't do it yourself. There's not enough true leaders in this dressing room to mark your height against the wall and hold you accountable. So I have to do it. And that is a worry. It's a good observation, John. It's interesting because it was
2: at RSL where assistant coach Paul Ritchie absolutely took the paint off the dressing room in a lifeless heartless two nil loss where YP Lee and Alain Rochette were completely negligent on the day and I remember Nigel Rio Coker went after everybody and then Paul Ritchie went after everybody and shortly after that they basically lost the team because the the guys gave up now one thing Robbo has not done he has not thrown a single player under the bus and even when I asked him about Christian Bolaños
0: and what looked like he was... Pedestrian, to say the least.
2: And and, and Man, no change awful. in bond. Nick said he's upright. He's not curved down. He had every opportunity privately to me and Dazzo to throw Bolaños under the bus, and he didn't. No. And he's still taking responsibility for it all. So now we need to talk about the coach. Yeah. His role, his responsibilities, and God forbid what would happen if this run carries on for how much longer before the executives start to panic. That's all straight ahead. You're listening to the Saturday edition of Footy Soldiers.
1: We now return you to your regularly scheduled broadcast here on the Footy Soldiers Network.
2: Just started raining here at the plots. The skylight's getting sprinkled with little liquid sunshine. Whitecaps taking on FC Dallas. Whew, what a game. 7.30 is the kickoff on TSN 1040. Pre-match show starts at 6.30. I'll have it with Dazo on the TV. Blas Perez might be in the middle of that circle, geeking up his uh, teammates, hopefully, in Spanish. And if you thought the pressure was on last week, well, now four out of the next five at home. They've got Dallas, sporting Kansas City, Portland, and then Chicago. If you can't make hay during that run, unfortunately, punctuated at the end of those two weeks with games out east, which really take their toll, but I'm not going to make excuses. So let's talk about coaching, because for the first time in his tenure, now the questions are being asked about
1: Carl Robinson, and in a week's time, Ted, we'll be at the 10-game mark. Yes, the start to the season is not what anybody would have wanted. Here's the issue, though, when you start talking about sacking a manager, the domino effect of that. If a club goes, this is our ethos, this is what we want to be, and from what we've heard, I believe that Robbo was a smart enough guy to go in and, as part of his interview, sell a vision and a five-year plan to the club of which they've adopted. And that vision is progress young players through the academy, give them opportunities. They've done that to a small degree but have a long way to go. Bring young value for money talented. They started in that fashion. There are some question marks now. We probably will cover that in more detail in a bit. And the final thing is create a value in the players and then flip them to Europe. Now that they have not done yet. But he's given that vision. The Whitecaps have adopted it. And what happens if that's the philosophy of your club You can't just rip it up every time you get a new manager because then you lose integrity as an organization. If they bin Robbo now, they have to bring in somebody that's going to fulfill that. Will they? I'm not sure. And the next question is, are you assessing the manager on the job he's doing? Has he all of a sudden deviated from what he has given them relative success in the first two seasons? If so, then he deserves to be held accountable for that. Because right now the team is underperforming, and he is part of that process. What are the reasons behind that? We can guess. We've watched training. You can glean some things from the training environment. But really, once they get behind closed doors, you know what's going on. I believe Robbo is a decent young manager that is still learning. And his players have let him down big time. My earlier comment on making excuses for guys. They've had babies. People do have children. And you can't just, I'm going to be rubbish the first two months. Everybody's upset. we have off to a bad start. You're fired. Because what happens then is the message to any other future manager is when you come here, we want you to win. And the first sniff of discontent in the market, you're going to get fired. So who are you going to attract? You're going to attract a win-at-all-cost mercenary that will come in young players. The philosophy will change in a heartbeat from giving opportunities and bringing value-for-money players in to win now, and you'll just get a guy that goes, oh, it didn't work out, fine. Pay me up for the rest of my contract, and I'm off to the next gig, and I'll be everywhere for a year and a half. I believe the Whitecaps are trying to put foundation in that's better than that and more long-lasting. The problem is... Can this market, which is an
2: instant gratification winning market, maybe one of the worst sports markets in North America, will they accept that long-term vision? Will they accept these bumps in the road? Because right now they're not. No. I mean, I'm getting inundated by people. and, And what really bugs me about it is that these people who are saying that he should be fired or questioned have zero proximity to Carl. They don't know anything about him as a person. They've never been to a training session. They don't know his true character and philosophy, and so I believe in him.
1: He's a hard worker. And he's an extremely he's got a plan. hard worker. He's he does.
2: And and the danger is be careful what you wish for if all of a sudden Because you're ripping up a plan. You're not just firing a manager if that's the case. You are ripping up an entire plan and starting over. And if you want to remember what that was like, just remember what happened after Martin Rennie and how it turned into then an open casting call. Come on in and we'll interview you and then let's hope that something works out. It did work out right away with Carl. And thank goodness it did then because Carl made a lot of people look very good in the outset. He made the playoffs in the first year and improved on that in year two. But to think, well, Jason Christ will come in here. Well, what happens when a Jason Christ, for example, because that's the name I keep mm-hmm. hearing coming up. He comes in and he goes, you're not my kind of player. You're not my kind of player. It's basically blowing it all up. Let's go to the diamond. That's what got me there. And let's start again. American coach in a Canadian city.
1: Get rid of the youth program. Forget about USL. You don't need it. If it's going to be an event town, which Vancouver is, and you know what? Maybe that's the type of team that's suited for this town is to put in place an event. A and Seattle Sounders go and get some big price names and turn it into a show. Now you're not a club; you're just an entertainment franchise. And if it's going to get fifty thousand into BC Place, great. I don't want that. I'm a Canadian. I want to see the odd Canadian kid. I want to connect with a Vancouverite, not just a Canadian playing in the first team. I was over the moon when they put a USL, and I I do follow that team quite a bit because I think it's a great stepping stone for being a professional. You might as well scratch that if you're, if you're going to roadblock the final product with and fill it with just really, let's be honest, good to average foreign players. We're smart enough in this city, soccer-wise, to see more than that. And if you're going to see more than that, you have to be patient. This is his first real sign of adversity. They didn't finish the end of last season that well, but they still finished third overall in the MLS. And you take the season as a whole, third overall. They had a poor run-in at the end of the season, and they've gotten off to a poor start. This is when you back him, really back him. You know what? Everybody's complaining. Sign him to a new deal. Seriously, take a hard-line stance. And the message then to the players is it's you guys letting him down. If you don't smarten up, you will be the ones out of here.
2: Mm. Great
1: point. Well, I do wonder—
2: how players might react if they felt that the man who's brought them in and in many cases given them bumper contracts, what would happen if they felt like he was vulnerable, if they would
1: step up? I mean, we're in that territory now, are we not? We're only seven games into this season. And MLS is a streaky league. It can change quite quickly in the MLS. If this was maybe... England and the threat of relegation was that you know sword hanging over their heads then you would be really having a hard look at it because you just can't afford to get punted out of the league but in this league it's a great league to afford the opportunity for patience look at four of the clubs in the bottom five in the west you got LA
0: uh, Seattle Portland Vancouver all teams who were it was it was flipped yeah so has Colorado really improved that much? Has, has Salt Lake really improved that much? I let's see over time if Salt Lake's going to continue. Well, they, this. They, it they, didn't they, look like it. No, they the just weekend. lost Yao Plata too. So let's see how they do. But in the next little while, these conversations are probably, they're happening in other places as well. And uh, I think because of the poor starts from teams that have been strong over the last couple of years, there's going to be some panicky supporters. There's going to be some panicky media. I think we need to, especially with Rob, what he's proven, over the last couple seasons is is improvement. I think he's earned that downtime now to see how he deals with that. Is this the right market
2: even for that kind of a plan, a long-term plan, rather than the glitz and glamour of some stars showing up at BC Place? And so is the hardcore support, the fervent, Doesn't matter how they're doing. I'm still going to support them. Are there enough of those people to actually make this a business? Because right now, the Whitecaps do have this market all to themselves. And I think everybody always talks about, well, you got to make hay while the Canucks are out. You got to make hay while the Lions aren't in. And to me, that's all bollocks. That's all media nonsense. You know, either you have a good product that people want to see, whether you win or lose, or you don't. But I do think that that is a factor in the thinking sometimes, of the execs. Like a stock that's gone down a little bit. What can
1: we do to bring that stock back up again? Make news. Be forward-thinking. Don't be a reactionary club. Those are the clubs that never make... I'm looking at you with a bit of sorrow in my eyes. Think of Villa. We'll talk about it later, in depth. (laughs) Okay, but here's the big issue. Be that club that's going, this is our vision. Make hard stances. Bustos had an absolute horror show at DC. Play him again. Be brave. Your manager is implementing your vision. That's why he's there. He's been largely successful since he's been here over the three years. This is not a good time. And they're Not scoring a, a free play goal in the first seven games is alarming. But this is when you take a hard stance and you back him. Back him, not just with words either. Back him with action.
2: There's another issue that we should bring up, and it's one of those that has been sort of underneath the surface, and it's a narrative that not a lot of people have talked about, so we will. And that is the role of the big agency base that has so many of the Whitecaps players under their umbrella, including the manager, Carl Robinson. That's all straight ahead here on Footy Soldiers.
1: Broadcasting from an unknown location deep behind enemy lines, this is Footy Soldiers.
2: One of the things we have not talked about on this program before, and I think it is worth mentioning now because of this start that we've had, is the role that the agency that has so many of the Whitecaps players under contract, their role in this team. They basically are acting as the scouting staff. I mean, let's be honest, there is no scouting staff. There's not a, a group of people that go to Central America, South America, and spend weeks there and really turn over stones. This is an agency that will probably have bird dogs and connections everywhere in Central and South America. They'll get tips, then they'll follow up, and then from there, they'll go about their business. Now, the Whitecaps have unearthed a couple of gems, and you could say that Kendall Waston is certainly one of them. I would argue that Christian Teixeira 2015 edition is is one of them for sure. And there are others that uh, have been brought to light. Nicholas Mesquita, uh, even Sebastian Fernandez, despite how the season ended for him. That was a different
1: different scenario.
2: Right. So those happen, and you're like, very good. This is working out well for us. We're turning value into proper player and the potential of a sell-on at some point. That's the business we're going to run. Is there then the danger of it going the other way and saying, okay, well, listen, we've done you these favors. You've got these four guys that have done really well. Would you mind taking this guy on as a project and see if we can, because you're a development kind of technical staff. Can you develop this person into something? And then we can try to move him on. Do you know what I mean? Like there's always give and take when it comes to a big agency. And you said something interesting this week, Ted, that, you know, putting all your eggs in one agency basket is a bit worrisome. Mm-hmm. because there's no competition now and you're not you're you're not really leveraging against anything because it's it's one group that's doing a lot of your recruitment and your scouting.
1: Yeah, you want to play off the agencies against each other to get the best bang for your buck as well. The way I would have compared to is sort of shopping. Agencies are just a market that control a group of players. So if I went shopping at the supermarket and I felt this supermarket is convenient because that's really what it is when you're dealing with base if you don't have a big scouting network which you've just alluded to i don't even know if they have one then you're basically saying it's convenient we'll shop at that supermarket you know what they do one thing really well like most supermarkets we know of they have fantastic meat sections i'm going to go to the meat section there i'm going to be happy going to come back and grill some steak produce average bread shocking dairy pretty gnarly But it's convenient it's all one-stop shop but as you start to go there and go there you start to go you know what I've been eating a lot of beef lately I'm gonna have a little bit of fish where do I go to get better fish well I have to go across the street to the fishmonger and that's where I need to go to get the better fish I need to go down the street to the Baker and to get my bread I'll still come here to get my beef but I also have to leave that supermarket and go shopping elsewhere and that's exactly what it's like when you go and shop for players One agency won't control all the players. And if you're just going there for one-stop shop, you're going to get Jordan Smith on occasion. You're going to get Flores. It's not so much that he's 19. It's just it's a bad fit for your philosophy that you're propagating. Jordan Smith is just not up to it. I'm sorry. I haven't seen a, a thing in training or games that will tell me anything different at this stage. So if your recruitment is relying on one place, you're going to start getting the Diego Rodriguez's on occasion, the Jordan Smith's the Floreses, and then that becomes part of what the manager is being assessed for. The reason why we call him a manager is he is not just a head coach, Robbo. He's being given credit as a manager. He's bringing in, and part of that is recruitment, and if he's relying on base to do all his shopping, he should be a little wary of that because right now, some of the produce he's taking out of that market is not up to snuff
2: where Carl comes in in that regard, because they don't have a massive scouting network, his is the final due diligence factor. So he's going to go down, put a pair of eyeballs on players' training, watch them in games, and then the rest of the time is spent on the phone. I mean, he's talking about, uh, you know, you, we brought up the word character earlier on. He'll call opposing coaches, like uh, in Saprisa's case with Kendall Watson, he called opposing coaches to see, well, what did you think of him when you were playing against him? To see... You know what the narrative was because obviously, if you're Saprisa, you're dying to sell Kendall Waston. Mm-hmm. You're a skint club, so you, you want to move these guys on. And you know, in that regard, he does the due diligence and he does that final piece of footwork that you absolutely need to do. But it is an interesting discussion point, I think, and we don't really talk a whole lot about it. But they have so much of this Whitecaps team. You know, it does make you wonder a little bit: is that a healthy situation? Now, of course, they win these games this weekend and they have a good week at the start of may then we forget about all this kind of stuff and we say it's a great relationship but that's a little one i want you to watch for over the next couple of weeks and again what happens if people get edgy and they say you know we've got to take advantage of this market right now we've got to win now we don't want to miss the playoffs we cannot afford to miss the playoffs we're going to make a change what then happens to their whole relationship with the agency? Because it's also, I mean, Carl was one of the first players in that agency. I mean, he's one of the first. So, a very interesting dynamic. We should look ahead to FC Dallas tonight because that's an interesting team. Maybe one of the best teams in Major League Soccer right now, with two of the most dynamic wingers in Berrios and Castillo, who's not so young anymore. No Diaz, potentially. He's been struggling. He's been struggling since he's been in Major League Soccer. And no Matt Hedges, which leaves mm. some room for a sliver of sunlight for the
1: Whitecaps to get into. Diaz is one of my favorite players in the MLS. And so if he's missing, there goes some to a lot of Castillo and Berrios' supply. Matt Hedges is one of the most underrated defenders in the league. I think he's a cracking center back by having him miss out. It creates some gaps in the Dallas back four. But part of the reason why Dallas is a good team is, you know, we've talked a lot about the depth of caps and by the way, that's being really challenged right now. And maybe that narrative will change over the next few weeks or not. But Dallas is part of the reason why they're up there is they have good depth and they should be able to replace those players. Maybe not to the same degree, you can't replace a, a Diaz. Uh, you know, he's one of the best number 10s in the league for me. But you can also bring in a player that is still of a certain level of quality that could hurt a Whitecaps. Mauro Rosales, maybe? I know he scored a nice free <laughs> kick, didn't he? He did. Well, and he'll be playing another
2: ex FC Dallas player, potentially, an Andrew Jacobson, and then, of course, Blas Perez. Uh, how would
1: you line up if you're Carl Robinson against FC Dallas? This is the Rob Peter to pay Paul scenario because no matter what he does it's going to be an issue because there's so many players that are underperforming. If you have that many players underperforming, the formation becomes irrelevant. I would bank on seeing him go back to a four, two, three, one, especially if Mesquita's fit, which it sounds like he probably will be. So if you have Mosquito fit, you're going to get that sort of energy, that fire plug playing off somebody playing as a number nine. And you mentioned his name, and I'll, I'd be really surprised if Blas Perez didn't get a run out against his old team. How has he been in training, Pete? He's been fine. And especially in a three-game
2: week where you could say, OK, Octavio, you're going to play on Wednesday for sure. And you might come off the bench in this game. There's a lot of pressure because of Octavio Rivero for sure. But how can you not start Blas Perez in that game and offer that kind of industry? It's a, it's a big question. Maybe he comes on as a substitute. Uh, who knows? But Stardom. I him. To me, that's the biggest question this weekend. But then also, you know, if you're going Laba and Jacobson as the two holders, and Jacobson will probably enjoy playing that team too. Mm -hmm. But again, are you not sacrificing the issue? Well, it's your biggest issue right now is the lack of goals by having another two. And and, and Jacobson is more box-to-box than Laba is,
1: but still not a Pedro Morales in there, obviously. Sometimes it does get to this easy. We're struggling. Many of you are underperforming who's performing get them on the pitch and find a way to get those players on the pitch. And one alternative is the th- same thing that I mentioned in the off season was my prediction on one way they can play is a four one three two. So now you have a partner with Perez, okay, whomever. That's a debate. Everybody knows of the issues with Rivero, but maybe that's an answer. You can put Mosquito still as the number ten behind two. And then the two players in behind are playing narrow and you get your width from your full backs and you only play with one holding player. And you do sacrifice then a Laba, and this is the thing Laba wouldn't be a bullet to start over Jacobson either, by the way. Right. I would say Jacobson has been the more consistent of the two so far this season. He might be the one that plays as the loan holding player, and that would be send a real message to Laba as well. But, you know, you, you might have that flexibility. The biggest issue is too many of Techera and Kakuta underperforming. It's just chucked a massive wrench into the counterattack for the Whitecaps, of which they're so reliant on. And Bolaños still does not look like a player who is up to MLS speed. He's driving me nuts. I don't care if you've played in two World Cups. And I have to say, Dasso was spot on when he said it. I had a little chat with Dasso this week, and he's like, oh, was that a little too hard or too strong a statement? I said, absolutely not. You're a professional. You're being paid to play for the Whitecaps. I don't care how many World Cups. It's right now. What are you doing? That was an embarrassment when he came off the bench put a shift in you have quality at your feet you're not that good that you can't try or work hard are you such a luxury you're not david ginola <laughs> you know what i mean you, you keep hammering on
2: aston villa for crying out
1: loud i was thinking of tottenham right, come yeah. on newcastle yeah
2: okay all right you're sensitive eh well no i see a silver lining after <gasps> the events of this week i think rock bottom has been achieved at aston villa it's coming up actually in our medals of honor and who went awol this past week which we'll probably get to. I think, did we solve the lineup issue, Jolly? Is it, is it, it's got to be Laba. Laba's in, in ink every week on the team sheet, is he not? Oh, Jolly, Jolly, you're still there. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> so, what about the fullbacks? We're, 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 Are we agreeing it's Aaron it's and Harvey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Erd, let's Erd give Aaron a little comment, too. Gradual improvement, DC, thud. But gradual improvement. I've, I've liked what I've seen. He
2: got forward and had one of the best chances in the game against DC United. I don't know. That was a very strange game, DC United. In fact, my friendly and very helpful, knowledgeable, and handsome pharmacist down at PharmaSafe, Emil, huge Whitecaps fan, he said the same thing. He said, uh, you know, Fraser Aird. I'm impressed with him. He's grown into the season. And he certainly has leadership qualities to him as a young man.
1: Are there any alternatives to Chera and Mane?
2: Well... Are there? That's the problem. Unless Mesquita plays in one of those spots if Morales and when he comes back. And he's been running, so they're they're close.
0: If they do play a 4-2-3-1, we saw in Portland... In the preseason, we saw Perez playing in that number 10 role as well, didn't we? Yeah. Uh So that's a possibility, too.
1: Or maybe Bellanio starts in front of
2: Kakuta. Well, and then there's the whole relationship with how the rest of the week works out, too. Like, do you have your best squads play on Saturday and Wednesday? Get those points at home against Western teams and then just send whatever to New York because they're not very good right now. You still have a chance to maybe get a draw. All issues we will be discussing next week. (laughs) Right now, though, it's uh, our medals of honor and who went AWOL after a brief little pause here on footy soldiers
1: once the battle lines have been drawn strategy and theory are replaced by will and desire now is the time for heroes now is the time for the footy soldiers
2: okay here we go with our medals of honor and who went a walls jolly's got a great piece of decorating to do here today
0: yeah uh i had a chat with uh, a buddy of ours and friend of the show al thompson Uh, last night, and he brought to my attention that QPR had just binned uh, Nike as their kit providers, and I think they had them for another four or five years, in favor of a 10-year, eight-figure deal with a Victoria-based company called Dry World, which is a Canadian athletic apparel company, uh, which I thought was great. I think they've been going for about five years now. In the past, they've done mostly rugby stuff. They've been developing footwear. But they will offer like a bespoke kit. So whatever the club and the supporters want, they'll do exactly that. I think QPR wants the hoops that go all the way around, for example. I thought that was great. So Dry wow. World has now got Fluminese in Brazil. They've got Atletico, Mineiro, uh, Goias, Santa Cruz, Robinho is one of their players now. So they've, they're really it's great to see a local company uh, who most of us haven't probably heard of. Now taking big
1: steps in the game.
0: That's fantastic. Watford too is apparently a Watford's a rumor as well.
1: Wow, oh. Wickham are going away from Kukri, and I'm gutted. Hopefully they're going dry world. <laughs> Let's hope
2: that's great. That's it looks sharp too. Th- yeah, oh, that's uh, very interesting. I don't have a medal of honor. Do you
0: have a medal of honor? Nope,
1: no okay. medal of honor. This so
2: week. we'll go to the A walls, Jolly
0: Victor Blasco. Maybe a couple bad decisions this week, and uh, uh, yeah. you know a, a very uh, dodgy Instagram video that eh, you know was it 420
2: no it wasn't quite yet but maybe there was a preparation for <laughs> sure it I mean it that's the like well, well we're jumping to conclusions if we believe we that because sure, there's that, no hard evidence allegedly whatsoever. exactly but, however why would you post that if there was
0: even the hint of a possibility that you might be implicating somebody there you have to be self-aware yeah, but that ended up not having anything to do with this release, did it? In
2: no, no. And in fact, a lot of people are saying, well, what is it? Can you? Why can't you tell us why this cloak of secrecy? Well, <laughs> quite simply, because you're basically protecting the player's own future of employability. So, yeah, mm. bad decisions. What a
1: shame, Ted, because you know what? This guy was kind of on that mm-hmm. radar. Oh, he had a hot patch last summer, and I really enjoyed watching him. There was a good sort of six weeks there where he was on fire for Caps 2. And I was going, hey, you know, to have chat, why isn't he getting a sniff with the MLS team? Why, and, you know, always things that came down and out of the ether. And, and this wasn't from Alan Koch, but anybody that would whisper to me would question the character. Mm. And unfortunately for uh, Blasco, it sort of seems to have played out this week with his release from the White Caps. So, disappointing
2: My AWOL goes to Randall Lerner, soon to be, if the rumors are to be believed, ex-owner of Aston Villa Football Club. And here is the danger of having a business person treating a football club like it's an investment in a stock market. This week, we saw prime examples throughout that club of how a tone is set at the top and just carries right on through down to the bottom. And he was absent. He's been in the Hamptons this whole time, you know, away from the club. I mean, you could call him an absentee owner apart from maybe the first couple of years with Martin O'Neill. And then he just didn't want to spend money anymore. But it has led to negligence right through the club. Look at Gabrielic Bondelhor. First of all, goes and smokes a shisha pipe in the Middle East, gets caught on camera with that. Now it's nitrous oxide parties with booze. He's overweight and he's the club captain. And that cancer is spreading throughout the dressing room to the point where now Yoris Akore has said, well, if I'm going to sit on the bench, I'm not going to play. Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish last year, same thing. It well, it's looks okay to, to go. You know, and, whoa, wow. That goes throughout the entire fabric of the club. Can you believe what Lescott said? Well, that's the other thing. I mean, I've, I've brushed it off as, as just being okay. These are the players you have. It's not are the, the club. No, it's not the club. It's the players, but... How about Patty Riley, the guy who's head of recruitment, who spent $55 million on all these acquisitions in the off-season? somehow he still has a job. I have to think that if this new consortium that buys Aston Villa is in fact Villa fans spread across Europe, and some are Brum guys which would be great. The perfect scenario is some of them are Brummies, so they understand the culture and the significance and importance of that club to Birmingham and then across Europe. So you do get a little bit of a broader perspective, what it would take to aspire to be something bigger than just a championship club. That would be the perfect scenario better than to me, a Chinese billionaire that might come in and again, have no clue and no cultural attachment to the people that actually have to go the thought of these people getting laid off ted you talked about this last week 500 people getting told i'm sorry you've come here every year for 20 years you've been the lifeblood the bones of this club you're gone but gabriel he's going to stay on for 50k a week You know, that's heartbreaking in any business, but especially in a football club. I feel as though rock bottom has been achieved this week because Mervyn King and David Bernstein both resigned because they just said their their role is untenable. Uh, I feel as though there's going to be a turnaround and hopefully it's with David Moyes, who you talk about all the time, Ted let him do his thing, get his players in using the methodology he used at Everton, where he was probably one of the best managers per pound spent in England. In fact, they were at the top of that table all the time and put a, an onus on character in this club because it's long been mm-hmm. gone, and I say it over and over. It always, always starts at the top, which kind of relates a little bit to your medal of yeah, honor it's a this great
1: week. great segue, David Moyes. So the minute David Moyes left, what did he leave? Well-organized, and he does not get the credit for some of the attacking football they did play at Everton. Is it the romance novel-type stuff that I see from Roberto Martinez? No. But he definitely put in place a a very hard-working, organized team that did attack well at times. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves from his time at Everton. No, and the legacy and then the move to Man United...
2: Which might have it, but it tainted it, and it might have been the right move had they stuck with him. You never will never know.
1: But his record was pretty similar to Louis Van Gaal's, and he didn't have the same money to spend. No, I agree. So what happened? Roberto Martinez walks in. He has that mentality in his squad. He has guys like Jagielka um, that are in that first season, especially when they just missed out on the Champions League, are defending in enormous spaces a uh, 1 on 1 type situation and and winning the large majority of them but what you're going to do is you're going to overrun that horse especially a center back they're going to be legless by the end of the season and what's happened since then and the reason why it's my a wall is nothing to do with the Everton losing 4-0 to Liverpool cuz that was coming okay it was coming i even said mention it to my wee man sam uh, i said sam while you're at school today Everton's going to play Liverpool and he goes oh daddy we're going to win i said absolutely not we're going to lose 4-0 and they did but it should have been 8 the biggest reason is you have a manager that hasn't learned his lessons. And it drives me mental watching them. It's the most frustrated I've ever been watching an Everton team because I get sick and tired of hearing Toffees say this is the best team since the 80s. It's not even close. Best team since the mid-80s when they were winning FA Cups in the league. They couldn't even come close to Joel Royals Dogs of War when they won the FA Cup in 95. Paul Rideout's winner against Man United. This is a team that's vastly overrated and players aren't performing for him because they don't believe in his version of romantic football, this is where he is as a manager. This is what's going to happen to your team if you have Roberto Martinez. You're going to ship huge, huge amount of goals. You're going to give up two goal leads like it's no big deal because his philosophy has nothing to do with defending. He inherited a tough group of players, and that's with his attacking mentality. That's why they got what he is, and he didn't learn from it. And that's the sign of a poor manager. He should have gone, why did we do so well defensively in that first season? Then not great, but good, and learned from it and kept it there. Because if he would have, Everton wouldn't be in the same position as they are now. And it drives me mental watching them each week. They're in a position right now where the noisy neighbors are starting to
2: make some more noise in Liverpool. And it sounds like they're getting some investment too And that uh, the Fenway group might be out for some Saudis and the Middle Easterns anyway. Are they trying to keep up with the Joneses in Stanley Park, I wonder?
0: Well, you you look at this summer. If Stones goes, Barkley goes, Lukaku goes, and you know two of the three definitely won out, what are you left with? You're Relegation. Left, you're left with a situation that you're dealing with. and uh,
1: Desperate signings. Yeah, desperate signings,
0: and people who probably won't be wanting to come into that kind of atmosphere. Oh,
1: Lukaku's. you know what? He's a decent young player. He is so raw. Whoever's in his year is completely overrating him at this stage. He is a good striker. But he is not going to waltz into the biggest clubs in Europe and play in the Champions League and be their bullet number nine up front. Ross Barkley, stop believing the hype, young man. He plays with pure footballing athleticism, but he's brain dead on the football pitch. The amount of silly mistakes he makes with the ball at his feet is alarming. He's not learning quick enough, and that's intelligence. It just drives me nuts right now. Yeah, you
2: still could be going to Wembley this weekend, for crying out loud.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but you went to Wembley uh, yeah, last season. True, week. Yeah, that's true. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> interesting. Mm.
2: We'll keep tabs on the toffee situation, but that's it for us. You look at how happy you yeah. are. Misery yeah. yeah. loves <laughs> Doesn't company. Doesn't it? No, we're going to be bouncing right back again. David Moyes, ironically, will take us back up there. 7.30 <laughs> kickoff tonight, 5.30, the pre-match show on TSN 1040. Ears truly and Dazzo on TSN. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you in a week.
0: Hi, I'm Mark Crawford. This podcast is powered by my friends at Magnuson Ford. It's hard to beat a Magnuson Ford deal in Abbotsford and online at magnusonford.ca.